Hey, fine townsfolk. I've got another podcast that you might like to listen to. It's not a feckless moms joint, but you still might like it because you're great big nerds. Take a listen. Hey, podcast listeners, this is Mike and Jordan from How About This, a new podcast for all of you professional nerds out there. Do you ever wish you could pitch your version of your favorite franchise to some movie or TV producer? Do you ever find yourself asking, why don't we see video games like that anymore? Well, that's what our show is about. How About This is a fantasy pitch show for our favorite things. Whether it's movies, TV shows, video games, or comics. Books, tabletop games, theme parks, you name it. How About This is taking a deep dive into the hypothetical futures of the most interesting pieces of entertainment out there. So if you like this kind of thing, be sure to check the podcatcher of your choice every Thursday for brand new episodes. That all starts with a simple suggestion. How about this? Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to, you guessed it, another episode of Random Encounters, where I, Nick, and Matt, I know, I changed up the format there a little bit. I'm sorry, I made you panic. We talk about a random monster pulled from a random monster manual. This week, we have a monster manual from Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. I feel like like we don't do 4E a lot. And I'm going to admit... I don't think most people do. (laughs) That's that's kind of it, yeah. I feel it's it's because... I mean, I I had fun with 4E while I was playing it at the time. We had, it was fun while it lasted for E, yep. but we've seen the light. We've seen the light of how good 5E is, or honestly, how good 3.5 was com- in, in comparison. So, and I just feel like the, the content of the creatures is so, so limited and so gosh darn specific. Like in 3.5, we can see that translation like, oh, I'll, this is how I'll use that in my 5E game, you know? Yep. But 4E feels so gosh darn specific. But but I've got three monster manuals. We're going to use them every now and then. And we're on page... We're on the, the second of the three monster manuals from 4th edition. We're on page 98. And we're going to look at some elementals today, Matt. All right. I don't think we've looked at elementals yet. I think the closest we've done for elementals was the methods. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So for you seven people still playing 4E... This one's for you. <laughs> this is for you. Or, you know what? I'm sure we'll come up with ideas that can translate to other games because every single monster manual out there has variations on elementals. True. So, and to be honest, some of these are, are some of the ideas behind the ones that we're going to talk about today are, are pretty cool. I don't, I don't hate them, but this, this elemental section actually has, I think not, let's see, six. Nine different elementals. We're only going to talk about three of them today. Matt, I'll give you a picture here. Okay. Oh, gosh. I got it. Very nice. So we've got, we're going to talk about a wind striker, a chill fire destroyer, and a flame spiker. Okay. They sound like, what names would those be? Like He-Man villains? I could see He-Man villains. I could see it as... Yes, yeah, GI Joe characters. Yeah, GI Joe. I think that's what I was Cobra thinking. Cobra Commander's yeah. underlings. Yeah, exactly. Flame Spiker. So we'll start. Let's start with the Chillfire Destroyer. A Chillfire Destroyer is a mass of raging fire held in check by a shell of elemental ice. As the creature fights, the shell slowly weakens, exposing the inferno within. Always cool. 
Okay. Always cool the when you see the effects of of beating the snot out of something that something else happens. Yeah, it's a time bomb. Yeah, yeah, and and the the more you hit it, the more you maybe need to be strategic about hitting it. Because if if this thing is is gonna explode or let off an aura or something, yeah. maybe your wizard needs to move. Maybe your rogue who's been taking a lot of hits really shouldn't be there when this happens. Yeah, you start pounding it with melee, you get your barbarian mm-hmm. up front and eventually have him back off and just go full range trying to yeah. draw it away obviously from the more squishy companions, but Oh yeah. Yeah, but just try to get everybody away for whatever the blast radius might be. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is something that I've said about 4E and I will give it crazy praise for every time is the the level of battlefield manipulation mm-hmm. that they allowed for because it was essentially a video game i just i i really i'm and i think it's because i really dove deep into D in 4e so i'm i i kind of got my my greatest exposure with that so not seeing so much of it in 5e i kind of miss it that's like the one big thing that i miss from 4e and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot that the, all the tactics that require that being said, if you're not playing with a battle map, it's really hard to take advantage of those yeah, things. I was just going to say, trying to, you know, play in that, that imagination sphere is really difficult when you're yeah. trying to do something along these lines, something that's so, so complex and so dependent on you know, where you are in relation to the monster, where you are in relation yeah. to the rest of your companions. It's it's a lot of mental gymnastics for yeah. pretty much for everybody, but I can as a DM, it's it must be ridiculous to try to do. Super taxing. Super taxing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Particularly in, in 4E when it's it's all about areas and pushing and pulling and this and that and, and how close am I to this. Like honestly for the player you just say like I want to be this close or how close am I? And then it's on the DM to be like, you're you're you can do this. You're, yeah, you're over here. Yeah, yeah. The one time we've played our home game, not in person, meaning not with you know not with manipulatives, not with mm-hmm. with maps or anything. Like I had to basically draw a map myself and just right. use that to figure out where everybody was. And we're playing five e, so. I can only right, imagine yeah. how much more difficult it would be if we tried to implement 4E completely. So you had drawn that map and you were looking at it. You had it as reference. Exactly. And everybody else was going on on uh, Theater of the Mind. Exactly. And they would, you yeah. know, can I get here? How close am I? And I would have to try mm-hmm. to do those calculations on the map that I had in order to give them a more accurate setting for everything. Yeah. And there's honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. If you've got yourself a, a little, a little scratch pad of graph paper, yeah. like go ahead and do that. That totally works. That's great. And and honestly, it might be simpler if you've got a small table or something, you don't have the room, you don't have a battle map, you don't have minis. You can always use like coins and buttons and stuff for minis. Like I've seen that done all the time. And and eventually your players get really possessive about their button or their coin and it's it's kind of cute that they're like no no i i was the 1979 dime last week i'm i need that 1979 yeah, dime. i want to be the uh, the race car yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's monopoly pieces yeah. right i'm always what am i always it's been a long time since i played monopoly i think i'm always the dude on the horse i think that's what i always play interesting 
The last Monopoly I played was the Zelda Monopoly. And true to form, I destroyed. That is the only game I'm like, I'm undefeated in. And it's it's basically because I'm, I'm the only one who takes it seriously. Because about 20 minutes in, everybody else checks out. <laughs> and to be fair, you were playing against your three-year-old, so... <laughs> no, he would have been like one and a half at that oh. point. It's been a long time. <laughs> well, no wonder you destroyed. <laughs> oh my God. He, I wrecked him, made him cry. Everything on Park Place, baby. That's it. Yeah. So the Chillfire Destroyer with an Arcana DC of 18, you know, a Chillfire Destroyer combines the power of fire with the strength of elemental ice. The dangerous mix results in a deadly explosion when the creature is slain. Both Fire Archons and Ice Archons seek to recruit Chillfire Destroyers for their forces, sometimes coming into conflict as a result. Okay. It's a cool little story hook. Yep. Maybe you can you can have your players stumble upon that, you know. Stumble upon that, or maybe they somehow are allied with one certain side of it, Ooh, and it will yeah. kind of bring them in direct conflict with, with mm-hmm. the other side. I like it. So we have, this is a, a level 14 brute, large elemental, magical beast, cold and fire. It has leaking fire core, aura of two, so that's 10 feet. While the chill fire destroyer is bloodied, remember bloodied in 4E mm-hmm. is half. at half or below hit points. Yep. Each creature that starts its turn within the aura takes 10 fire damage. Okay. HP of 173, which is a bloodied of 86. AC of 26. It has freezing slam, a standard at will, a reach of 2. Does 1d12 plus 6 damage, plus 1d12 of cold damage. So I guess there was just standard damage. Because in, in 5e, there's no just, like, damage. It's it's always, expla- it, it always has a type. Yep. But I guess this one does not. Interesting. I don't remember that. It has a trample, standard at will. The Chillfire Destroyer moves it, moves its speed and can move through enemy spaces. The Destroyer makes an attack, plus 15 versus reflex. And remember in here, there it, not everything just attacked AC or required saves. They didn't have saving throws in 4E. It was against different types of... Everybody had an, an, an AC, everybody had a fortitude, a reflex, and a will number. That was basically attacked as if it were AC. Oh, in that yeah. Mechanic. Okay. So you don't roll so, a fortitude save. They attack against right. your fortitude the, number. Perfectly, perfectly put. Much better than I could come up with. Yeah. It's the, the onus was always on the creature to make that roll. It just depended on what was being attacked at the time. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That's kind of cool. I, I, I don't hate that mechanic. It's really interesting. It's really because, because you're still. That's that would in in five e parlance that's your your save. Yep. But you would still in in four e you'd still be rolling your your checks your skill checks would still be using con wisdom or 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 decks you know so it's a l- so little it's, bit of a bridge between three five and five e then in that I, regard yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's they they took the next step that way and then they they got a, they went away with it all together yeah. in in 5e. That's right. I forgot 35 had that. Yeah. So the the destroyer makes that attack against the reflex does 1d10 plus 6 damage plus 1d10 cold damage and the target is knocked prone. 
and then a reaction that is triggered when the Chill Fire Destroyer drops to zero hit points. The Destroyer does not die until the start of its next turn. Okay. Until then, the Destroyer can take no actions. At the start of the Destroyer's next turn, it makes an attack. It's a close burst of three, which I never remember what. they In, in 4E, they had all these different, like, close burst and aura and this and that, and you had to have, like, freaking templates that you would drop down on your on your map to see what it was and where it hit. Plus, it is versus reflex, and it's 4D10 plus 6 fire damage. So... That says it's not an auto, like it j- just explodes out in an aura. They they do have a chance to not be hit by this thing yep. when it explodes. Yeah. So that is, that's cool. That's not instant auto damage. And it's not, it's it's interesting that they worked in the mechanic that it, it doesn't happen until its next turn. It's, it's orc ferocity, basically. Kind of, yeah. But they, they worked it into the the very strict mechanic in this world that it's it's still technically an attack. Well, yeah, that's what, like, Orc Ferocity is basically, they're dead, but they have one final crazy attack they can make as yeah. they're dying. So that's kind of what right. this is, just with more of a, like, more of a lethal presence to it in terms yeah. of just exploding outward. But flavor-wise, it is just an explosion. Yeah, you know, sure. But they turned it into an attack. That's 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 why I I feel like it's not just just reaction when it drops to zero hit points it explodes everything else stops and it explodes yeah exactly so say it just went and then the barbarian goes and the barbarian knocks it down to zero hit points all the way through the order everybody else is like hitting this thing until it comes back to 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 this thing's initiative that's why I find that peculiar. So they're just sinking spells and attacks into this thing. Oh, that's true. Cause you, yeah. Well, I mean, how is a DM? How would you play that? Would you say the, say this goes and then the barbarian mm. goes and it, he drops them to zero hit points. Mm. Would you put some flavor in it and say this thing drops to one knee and all of a sudden you see the fire coming. Oh yeah. The cracks. And at that point, would that be a, uh, everybody backs up on their turn except for the you, barbarian you would, obviously. you would hope so yeah you would hope so but i i i remember it playing in 4e because because bloodied is is so crucial to basically everyone yeah. everybody has has spells or abilities or skills that that trigger when bloodied or or do more damage when bloodied things like that you would always work in flavor wise like oh this thing looks really hurt now you, you you would give some sort of some sort of story trigger saying oh this is now bloodied yeah exactly i mean you could you could always just say okay this thing is bloodied yeah and if your players are really tricky and i think we've mentioned this before if your players are really tricky they've been keeping track of all the damage that's been dealt to this thing waiting for the DM to say this thing is bloodied. So then they add up that total and they're like, okay, well, we have this many hit points left to take this. Yeah, we have roughly, you know, 50 hit points left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ballpark it. But yeah, giving giving that level of detail and and story and explanation as the DM, I I do love that idea of, oh, this thing, this this hit clearly took something out of this. It's dropped to its knee, or or it's it's crumbled so much that like an arm fell off, and everything is glowing and pulsing out of this thing. Yep. Without saying like, 
like look out it's gonna blow yeah like okay now's the time back up yeah and if they if they don't do it if they didn't take that as as the 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 trigger to get the heck out of there that's cool too that's fine you know but you you gave them a little bit and hopefully by the time because this is level 14 hopefully by the time they reach this thing they know your dming style and know that you're giving clues and hints to to carry on precisely yeah i mean what would be horrible for the party is if the barbarian went right before the this elemental Mm. so he does all that damage and no one has time to get out of the way oh yes yeah if that last one is the one that 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 drops it to zero yeah though it would have to be like that's one of those things where it only happens once and the next time they see one of these oh sure they start backing up as soon as it's bloody like they they either snipe in and back up or they are mm-hmm. just hitting things from afar in terms yeah. of, of the attacks. Yeah. C- Cause also remember once it's bloodied, it has that, that 10 foot aura of, of 10 fire damage per, per round. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're just trying to stay 10 feet away no matter what. Yeah. Also in 4E, so many moves allowed for a lot of, your own movement in and out of, of battle without taking hits or things like that. So, so you could pull off a move that allowed you to to hit and then get away. But there is a a detail in 4E where technically as, as raw rules is written, you could not split up your movement. You had to take it all in one go, which just was the worst detail but it, it did allow you to get really creative in terms of having a move having an, an attack that also tacked on a move. Okay. So you could do your full movement and it would say you, you, you kick this thing in the head and then move X number of squares away. Something like that. Gotcha. So you could do something like that, but you could also with the pushing aspect, you could push that the creature away as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe you're not moving, but the creature itself is moving. Yeah. And I, I guarantee the barbarian probably had many, many a move that allowed it to push. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that is our Chillfire Destroyer. Let's move on to the Flame Spiker. Formed of air, earth, and fire, Flame Spikers are frontline warriors under the command of more powerful beings of the elemental chaos. With a DC of 12 Arcana, a Flame Spiker is a living shell of stone with a hollow core of roiling flame. It blasts foes with burning shards of stone, rendering targets more susceptible to subsequent fire-based attacks. So this one is only a level 5. It's a level 5 soldier, AC of 21, HP of 66, a speed of 7. That's a a little bit faster than most people have 5. The Chillfire had a 5. Or six, five or six, you know, between 25 and 30 feet. Yep. It has stone spike, standard at will, fire damage, reach of two, 1d8 damage plus 1d6 fire, and the target gains vulnerable five fire and is marked until the end of the flame spiker's next turn. And marked is just just a, a basically a taunt that if you don't attack the thing that has marked you, you get like a, a negative two penalty gotcha. to, yeah. to attacks on something else. Which, this being a soldier, presumably there are going to be either more flame spikers or other things on the field that may be more powerful. Like the Chillfire Destroyer is a brute. That's that's a lot beefier. Yep. 
but this flame spiker is, is pulling your attention, which is inconvenient and sometimes one of those, do I, do I take that negative two penalty to take out this thing that's doing more damage or do I quick burn down the flame spiker? It's, it's all about economy of action and, and what makes the most sense at the time. Yeah, like you said, battlefield tactics. Mm-hmm. We have a ranged spike bolt that just does standard damage, 1d10 plus 5. Thunderfire thrust, uh, they used to call me that in high school, immediate reaction when an enemy within two squares of the flame spiker shifts. And a shift was, what is it in 5e? It's, it's like a five-foot step, basically. Yeah, it's disengage. In in 5e, it's disengage. Okay. Shift is you're using all of your movement to, to go five feet away without provoking an attack of opportunity. So the Flame Spiker uses Stone Spike against the triggering enemy, which, remember, is the the one where he, he hits and then marks the target and makes mm-hmm. them vulnerable to fire. Yeah. He then makes a secondary attack against the same target, and the secondary attack is... Versus Fortitude, it's thunder damage, and the target is stunned. Jeez. So it completely negates the fact that you're you're moving away, hoping to move away without being attacked. You're, you're not taking that attack of opportunity. In fact, it's even worse, because an attack of opportunity is just a standard melee. Yep. This means you get hit twice, and you're marked, and you're stunned. Yeah. So that that's pretty vicious. I, I like that. This thing is, is kind of nasty for that. And that that Thunderfire thrust recharges on a five or six. So it can only happen once un, until it recharges. But presumably you don't have people aren't shifting in and out of their space a whole lot. No, you would imagine they would. You know, it's it's cause that's that's eating up all of your movement. It's is it worth it? Like if why would you be going in and shifting out just five feet, especially since this thing has a reach already? Exactly. So you could still hit it. So it's it's it seems a bit circumstantial, but it, it's still a nasty trick to pull. Yeah, it's like we've said with a couple of these. It's one of those where you you pull it once or twice just to get your players to say, "Oh, okay, this is this is not mm. going to be as easy as we thought it was." To get them thinking more more creatively and tactically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we can move right on to the... Do you have anything you want to say about the Flame Spiker on that? Or can we move to the Wind Strike? Uh, just that I think that this is a really good support creature to put mm-hmm. with, with something like the Cold Fire Behemoth there. Yeah. The, the Chill Fire Destroyer. Yep. That one too. <laughs> Although they're... they're, they're they're vastly different levels, but yeah, that's that's the thing is you you have a couple of these soldiers in there with a brute, exactly, really really hammering away at them, and then someone doing ranged in the back, but the soldiers are are pulling all that aggro, like that's that's a, a really cool encounter, that's a really cool setup, and actually I ha- where is it right here right here a level six encounter, three dust devils, two flame spikers, one geonid, and one mud lasher. All of which are are these various elementals yeah. here. Okay. But yeah, he, he, the 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 dust devils are skirmishers. The flame spikers are soldiers. The geonid is a lurker, which is is basically a rogue, I'm assuming. And that mud lasher is a brute. What a what a party to fight! Exactly. That's so much so much better than just band of goblins, you know. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's 
it gives you a lot to go on. And I think that is one of the cool things about 4E is that it it gave you these different levels of creatures. Mm-hmm. And it also mm-hmm. gave you, like you just said, it, it gave you the the actual layout of what you could do as in terms of like sample battles or sample yeah. encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and everybody had their role and that that made it again, that made it a it made that that battle map much more crucial because as the DM, as as a player, everybody has their role and you know your role. Yep. You know how you fit into your party and everything. As the DM, that's that's five, six, seven, that's seven characters, each playing a different role that you have to know what's going on. Yep. And, and, and with every turn, with everybody's initiative, the battlefield changes and people have, have pushed and pulled and manipulated. So as the DM, that is that much more to, to, to really control. But I mean, like I said, 4E was essentially a video game. If you like something like Age of Empires or Age of Mythology, that's essentially what you're playing. You've got everybody who has their specific role, you know what they can do. So it's, it's. The, it it video gamified it and it it made it it made it pretty cool for the time but it's yeah. it's i i there's like i've said there's some things that i miss and there are some things that i never ever want to do again <laughs> with 4e yeah exactly it had its time it had its place and there's no doubt that they improved upon it mm-hmm. with 5e so yeah and hopefully there will be some things that they maybe consider pulling back sure as as the time comes i mean they're they're tasha's cauldron of everything is is the newest supplement that's coming out in like a week and a half as as of recording and and it's got new races and new spells and stuff so they're 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 still coming out with new content even though at this point 5e is like what five six years old i think at least yeah at at least i remember it when when we were when ray and i were in the apartment in in Weed sport that they released like the play test, the original oh, play wow. test, which was that. Yeah, you're gosh, looking that at more was, than that. Yeah, Ray graduated college in 2009, so it was like 2010. So it's 10 years old. Yeah. at this point, yeah. Five E, no longer, no longer a baby. So Wind Striker, Wind Striker, Wind Strikers whirl out of nowhere to hammer foes with potent blasts of thunderous cold. Their lethal fury comes in fits and starts as their winds seek to enwrap targets before the wind strikers blast them. Arcana lore of a DC-14, a wind striker targets a specific foe with its attacks, trusting its defenses to protect it from opportunity attacks as it whirls across the battlefield. So the wind striker is a level 9 lurker. HP of 56, which gives it a bloodied of 28, AC of 21, which doesn't seem terribly high considering the ones that we just heard. Yeah. A speed of zero, but a fly of eight. Has wind strike, which is 1d8 cold and thunder damage. 1d8 plus two, cold and thunder. So so there are any number of different damage types in, in, in this version of D&D. Yeah. But it's kind of what you would expect going against elementals, obviously. That's what makes it cool. That's what yeah. makes the... If you know you're going against elementals, then you know 
what you have to maybe you have to get some kind of a an oil for your weapon or you have to mm, prepare mm-hmm. certain spells or something along those yeah. lines so it, it gives a little bit more of a battle strategy and and preparation to it than just okay strap on your sword and let's go yeah hopefully hopefully you do know before you go into the the elemental planes or wherever it is you're encountering these hopefully you do know far enough in advance that you can do something to prepare yeah Exactly. You know, and, and sometimes maybe the barbarian doesn't do anything. Sure. But, but, but maybe the, maybe someone has armor that gives them resistance to something and, and, you know, you, you, you plan ahead if, if, if you're set up to be able to do that. Yeah. Obviously. Or knowing that you're going into the elemental plane and knowing what elementals are, maybe you go to that mm. special apothecary and you get certain oils oh, yeah. and certain tonics and whatnot that. You, you yeah. drink one and you are resistant to fire damage. So you're just yeah. you're popping stuff like you're the witcher and just, yeah, right. You know, going through this you know, room by room or area by area. So the first, yeah. your first turn on each, in each battle is, you know, taking a vial of whatever, just to make sure that you're resistant to that certain damage type. That's cool. That's a cool, a cool aspect to it. I know they had, I know 4E had an artificer that had all sorts of alchemical aspects to it. Yeah. So maybe maybe your artificer does it. Like, who knows? Yeah, cool. Very cool. I like that idea of of it's not, of it's not, of preparation is not just, well, let's pick our spells because we know what we're fighting. Like, maybe they do go to the, the alchemist shop or something. I like that. Yeah. Gives, gives the non-magic characters a little bit more to do in terms of preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. To be, to be ready for it. Yep. So the Windstriker has lethal Windstrike, reach of two, targets the Windstriker's quarry, which we'll see in a little bit. It's cold and thunder damage, and the target is no longer designated as the Windstriker's quarry. So it, it, it marks a creature, attacks them, and then that mark goes away. And it's not a, officially a mark, it's just the one that they're targeting. Yep. So with, where is it? Okay, there we go. So in Searching Wind... Standard recharges when the windstriker hits with lethal, lethal windstrike. They should have they should have swapped these two. That would make way more sense. So it's a ranged attack, cold and thunder damage. The target is knocked prone, and then the target is designated the windstriker's quarry. So it, it from from across the battlefield, it hits this guy, knocks him prone, and you know for a fact this thing is going for that person. I like that. Then it hits with the lethal windstrike which does the, the cold and thunder damage, and that target is no longer the query. So presumably it's going to turn and hit someone else with that searching wind yep. and then beeline to them. Now this is then, a- across and, two turns? Yes, they're two, they're two separate attacks. Okay. Yep, yep. So assuming this thing lasts long enough, and as a lurker, you would think that the focus is being on the say the brute yep. that they're fighting or even the soldiers. So this thing is, is range attack, go attack this person, turn around range attack, go attack this person. And maybe your people aren't even, your party's not even focusing on this thing yet. Man. So you could be yeah. fully engaged with something right in front of you. And then all of a sudden you're knocked prone by these, yeah. by this win, mm-hmm. which means you get, they get advantage. Well, it's not advantage for you. They get a bonus the thing that you're fighting in melee range gets a bonus to attack you. Yep. Presuming you don't get up before then. 
And then finally, as an immediate reaction, it can use shifting wind whenever it takes damage at will. Until the end of its next turn, the Windstriker does not provoke opportunity attacks and can move through enemies' spaces. Jeez. So it takes it takes the, the damage once. Yep. Can't, can't move. It can't move away. It doesn't give it a move. But it, it, it allows it to just zip away without taking additional damage when its turn comes up. Yeah. He is perfectly a lurker. 100%. Like, it is total roguelike moves there exactly yeah that's really cool yeah i I like that one a lot so thoughts final thoughts on the wind striker elemental like you said i think it's a perfect rogue type of creature and i really think that that's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that kind of rounds out the the three elementals that we talked about today if you were going to just use those three in terms of a combat like you have the big brute that can absorb all the damage. You have the smaller creatures that you would probably have like two or three of them that would kind of take some of that focus. And then you have this lurker just sniping in and out yeah. as doing really lethal type damage, especially yeah. if the party is already engaged. Yeah. And and how how sneaky and nasty it can be not taking attacks of opportunity, knocking someone over, then going to hit them, exactly. things like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something that you can also use if you're trying to, you know, you have a a wizard or a sorcerer or something that's trying to stay back, then you, Mm. that's how you can focus on those as well as by using this, this lurker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This, this one, this thing is, is hiding on the outskirts and then all of a sudden your wizard gets popped. Yeah. This looking at, instead of doing just like one, one single 4E creature, looking at this variety that we just did. Yep. It, it kind of, it, it makes me respect 4E a little bit more. I know it's a lot of work. It was a lot of work just being a player, let alone being a DM yeah. in terms of, of having all these different aspects. But, but I, I can see the appeal to having that much going on with, with all of the monsters, just as an experience for your players to see that happen. That being said, Take that inspiration and transfer that to your 5e game. For sure. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't, don't play it as five as 4e. Look, look at the monsters that you want in your encounter. Think about what they can do. And even if it's even if it doesn't say, oh, this thing is a lurker and this does this, there's often battle tactics and things in there. And, and think about think about the stuff that they laid out clearly in 4e and transfer it. That's all. Yeah, yeah, you can still do this with the 5e mechanics. You it just takes a little bit of translation, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of you got to you have to know 5e a little bit better because it's not as yeah. spelled out as 4e was. So maybe right. you're going to switch out some some gear to a couple of mm-hmm. your goblins. You know, you're going to right. maybe make a couple of them magic users or certain kind of magic users so that they have something like like this uh, this lurker in, in 4E has where you can mm. go in and snipe and knock people down and whatnot. And how right. cool is it to see the just the way you have to set up where you first you knock them down and then mark them to so that they know that this attack is coming. Just this yeah. the fear that you can engender in these these players when they yeah. know that all right. I'm next. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, this this thing has targeted me and knocked me over. N- now I know inevitably it's coming at me. That hit, it, it may not hit. That second one may not hit, but it's going to keep attacking until it does because that second hit is the only thing that resolves that that, that creature mark. being the quarry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How how cool is that? There's always that element of it won't hit, but there is it doesn't resolve the mark and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You are hunted now. Yeah, essentially, right. I mean, it's not like you take a penalty. It's not like an actual mark, but it's that query aspect is is what really Exactly. Qu- quer- quarry? Quarry. No, that's the stone. That's, that's where you dig up stone. Yeah. Query, query is a target. Quarry is where you dig up stone. Query is a question. Oh boy! Woof. <laughs> I think we're we're ranging into a different podcast now. We are, we are. So, uh, all told, four e the four e elementals that we experienced today. Yes. How many Avatar Last Airbenders would you give these elementals? Based on. I don't know. It's 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 difficult because they're all different levels. They're all different roles. So, so four E elementals in general, I suppose. Sure. Even though there are a multitude of others, I think we only scratched the surface with these guys. We definitely have. Yeah. So I would have to go with a solid nine. Wow. I think there's there's a lot more we could do a month on these. We could do Tarask month on four E elementals. Oh sure. Yeah, where yeah, that's true. We're just we're coming up with different kinds. We're you know we can do a whole week on battle tactics with these guys. I think mm-hmm. I love the that aspect like we've been talking about for this whole half hour of of battlefield control with these things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. forcing your players to to basically play a war game with them. Yeah. So there's there's so much there, and we we didn't even scratch the surface of narrative or story elements to these either and there's there's so much you could do with that i think they are an awesome template to use for for anything really yeah yeah i'll i I will give you that i i I don't think i would have gone with nine you're feeling generous today but but i would put them up there yeah there is a lot there is definitely a lot there it's in it's pretty it's pretty gosh darn exciting to 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 look at the potential yeah Little redeeming qualities for four E for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I would I'd have to say so. It's it's not, and like I said, seeing it on a like kind of a little more removed as opposed to so pinpoint of one creature, I think really helped in seeing seeing the potential there. Exactly. So that is, that is a whopping nine Avatar Last Airbenders for the four E elementals that, like Matt said, we have just scratched the surface on. Maybe maybe we'll 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 look at some more as as the the weeks go by, but that is it for this week of Random Encounters. Thank you so much for listening. As usual, check out the site fecklessmomes.com. Fly on over to the Random Encounters page. Look at the books that we have. If you have any requests of creatures or you have any suggestions of monster manuals, let us know. Reach out to us, moms at fecklessmoms.com. We'd love to hear how you feel about the podcast and about the monsters. Thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And we look forward to talking random monsters to you next week. Thanks. Hey, Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. 